police in the morning. Seymour Krellborn works in a Skid Row floor shop and is in love with his beautiful co-worker, Audrey Falquard. Seymour is also an amateur botanist and develops a new type of plant that he hopes to use to make a name for him, as well as win over Audrey. Unfortunately, the new plant only talks but cannot survive without human flesh and blood. Seymour is forced to kill in order to feed Audrey Jr., named after his co-worker. Word spreads about his marvelous plant and the small shop which brings in additional business and interest in Seymour. Things become very complicated for Seymour, which brings all of his actions to a shocking conclusion. Look for a cameo appearance by a very young Jack Nicholson, performing in his first feature film in the role of the masochistic dental patient. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie Movie Bros. Your review B-Movie is to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. You just heard the description for Little Shop of Horrors, which sounded like the fucking back of a box for a goddamn children's movie. Like, are you going to explain the whole movie, or do I have to watch it? Yeah, that was a really lengthy, like, description. I, I was expecting, like, plant eats people, Seymour gets some bodies, the end. So, I mean, you know, welcome, welcome to week it. three of, of cult classic fucking part five. Whatever this is. The 50 movie classic horror box set booklet had to say about Little Shop of Horrors. I guess we could come up with more things to say than they did, so let's dive right into this shit with our technical difficulties. Oh, this is the original version from 1960, by the way. So no music. Top and bottom three. Paul, what do you want? Let's start with the top first. Go ahead. Alright, so this movie was, in my opinion, very well casted. I thought everybody played the type of character that they were trying to play very well, and they all seemed to complement each other, they all played well off each other comedically, it was, everyone did their role as good as you could possibly imagine, and I kind of, I enjoyed every character for the most part. Number two, the dark comedy in this film was handled very well, neither the dark content nor the comedic elements outshined each other, and it made for a really perfect, in my opinion, balance of, um, of Kind of like a, a balance of comedy and horror, and it just melded together really well. And number one, Seymour, in the end of this movie, got exactly what he deserved. And I was really glad the original version of this... Spoiler followed, alert! Yes. Well, I won't go too much into <laughs> it, but it follows the version of the of the musical rather than the remake movie. And I like that, that, that ending better, so I was glad that was the original. Yes, the stage play follows this more faithfully than the remake. Because going into this, I really didn't know which way it was going to go, so it went the way that I preferred it to go. So, spoiler alert, because I'll go into details, Paul won't. Um, I'm, I'm the good one. For me, number three on the top, there are some pretty funny parts of the movie. I mean, they have, you know, great lines, fun dialogue, as well as physical gags, which for the most part, they pull off pretty well. I think it aids pretty well, too, which was surprising. Yeah. Number two, in the end, the plant wins. And, you know, I, I like that ending better. I mean, I've seen the the stage production, I've seen the remake movie, and now I've seen the original, and, and I, I like the endings where the plant wins. Seymour got what he deserved. And number one, the support cast of this movie, Mushnick... Uh, the flower-eating guy, played by Dick Miller, who is, like, a horror legend. He's one of those guys that you always see, and you're like, I know him from something else, but you never know his name. 
Uh, Seymour's mom was hysterical. And even the dentist himself, although his part was so much smaller in this movie than I, I thought from, you know, all the from the other versions, the dentist being a bigger role and having multiple scenes um, in this movie, he's in it pretty short, but, you know, th they all help Seymour's character um, to be more interesting, in a sense. Yeah, if it was completely Seymour, this movie wouldn't have been very good, but all the other characters are much better than him. Not that the actor didn't do a good job of what he was trying to do, but, eh, Seymour. They all played a big role in his character being who it was. If it was just him playing that character with all, without all these other characters showing you why he was the way he was, it, it would have failed. So on to the bottom three. What were the bad here, Paul? Alright, so number three, even though I thought the famous scene with Jack Nicholson getting his teeth worked on by Seymour because he's a weirdo who likes getting his teeth drilled and Seymour had, spoiler alert, just killed the dentist, um, I thought it was funny, but it was really the only scene in the movie that was just a random gag that didn't at all really work into the actual movie. like. Seymour doing dentistry, like, very poorly, and this guy enjoying the poor work, like, while it was funny, it was just a gag. It didn't really, it didn't lead into the next scene, they could have skipped it completely, and it was really the only scene in that, in the movie that I felt was that way. Even the, which, even the gag of the prostitute, which I thought was overly long and really not that funny, it was one of the few misses in this movie, um, that one led into, you know, Seymour feeding her to the plant, but the one with Jack Nicholson was just kind of randomly there, and not that it wasn't funny, but it was just, it felt very out of place. Number two. So, the detective in this movie narrates the movie as a whole of a few different times, and it's just really weird considering that he's only in like a few scenes and ultimately has very little to do with the movie. He, you know, hears about the case, I guess his son died in a fire, and he's very apathetic about it, and, you know, they discover that Seymour was feeding people to the plant, and for some reason they don't blame his boss, they just blame Seymour completely, which is weird, but, yeah, they run around, and, yeah, the whole thing should have, could have been done without him, yet he narrates for a couple times? I, I didn't get that at all. I mean, they do blame Seymour, because Seymour admitted to feeding people to the plant. I mean, at least Mushnick kept his mouth shut. It was like, like, Seymour, how could you have, have fed these people to the plant? I, you know, I totally didn't feed that, that, uh, mugger to the plant or anything. But you'd think they'd at least want to, like, you know, interrogate him rather than having him come along while they're chasing him. I mean, then again, this is a detective that, like, is just like, yeah, whatever, about his son burning to death, so... You know, maybe not the most uh, moral or, like, caring individual. Alright, number one. So, toward the end of the film, it turns out that Audrey Jr., the killer plant that eats people, can hypnotize people into obeying its orders. And it hypnotizes Seymour into bringing him a new victim, which ends up being this prostitute that makes him slip on a banana peel, which is... Not really all that funny, but anyways, I didn't really like the fact that the plant can all of a sudden just make people do things. I thought that it felt really out of place. I really enjoyed it in, like, 
the earlier scenes how Seymour would accidentally kill somebody or, you know, his boss would, you know, it was getting robbed and he kind of like tricks the guy into getting eaten by the plant. I thought that was really clever. So then to have the plant just suddenly able to control people and make them kill people and feed them to them just kind of ruined that joke for me. And I thought it was unnecessary. It's only loose for one one death at the very end of the movie. And I, yeah, I, I thought that was a really poor decision. Yeah, I, I would have just, I would have liked to see Seymour just kind of, like, let the fame go to his head and be like, yeah. oh, you need me to kill for you? I'll keep killing. Just kind of, like, snap. Like, I thought that would have been so much better than, yes, master, <laughs> I will do your bidding, master. Oh, jeez, if I if I don't have have the plant like me, then nobody will come, come to the shop and I won't get my reward, you know, then it's, you know, he goes and finds somebody, because, like you said, the, um... The um the fame would get to his head. He wants to you know keep impressing Audrey. He wants to you know keep getting admiration from people. He wants to and, not and work I know at that's the store. Kind of how it goes in the you know in the remake in the stage play. But still, like that just makes much more sense than the plant can control people's minds. Because if that's the case, like when the police showed up, why didn't the plant just go? Everyone, close your eyes. Yeah, it ruins any... Feed me now. Feed me yourself. It ruins really any character development of, like, and takes away any kind of, like, agency from a character when it's like, well, I'm just gonna mind control you. It's like, oh, well, fuck you too, thanks. So, for me, number three. I don't like Audrey. I've never liked Audrey in any version of, of The Little Shop of Horrors for one simple reason. Her voice. She's got that annoying, airy voice that I just, I can't stand. And like, like I, sorry to say, if you have that voice, I'm sorry, I don't want to talk to you. I, I can't, I can't deal with it. I don't know if I process it differently than other people, but it's just like nails on a chalkboard to me whenever she talks. And I mean, every version of this I've seen, it's the same voice, which, I mean, it's the same character. So, you know, they're playing sense. the same person. It makes character. sense. But I fucking despise it. Yeah. Number two. I'm surprised I wasn't as bothered by it, but yeah, definitely my least favorite <laughs> character, except maybe Seymour, who got what he deserved. Number two. Like Paul said, there are several scenes in this movie that are just kind of out of place and didn't serve much of a purpose. Uh, the dentist scene where Jack Nicholson comes in and Seymour has to pretend to be the dentist and work on his teeth and everything. Although it was a fun scene did absolutely nothing for the movie. It would have been cool if, you know, later on, that had become, like, the next victim and pull him back into the story, but no. You had the brainwashed Seymour hit a hooker with a rock by accident, and, you know, that becomes the next victim after this series of kind of failed gags with the hooker. Um, and even... Yeah, I just... Not... Not a fan of those scenes. Number one, there was absolutely no reason for this film to have a narrator. Even so much that the film itself forgot it had a narrator. Like, he narrated the first, like, 30 seconds of the film, and then you don't hear him again until 40 minutes into the movie. Even after they introduce his actual character. And then, another 24 minutes goes by before he speaks as the narrator again. Like, 
it, it it's all cool and everything if you want to have the cop in there or to have this cop narrator gag or whatever. But if that's the case, then use it throughout the movie like more frequently. Don't just forget about it for more than half the movie and then bring it back right at the end. Like, I, I just... At least have the detective a bigger character. It, like, it, it made me think of, like, fucking inner monologues. Yeah. And it was like... It was like, there's no reason for this narrator to be there. He wasn't there for the majority of the story. He doesn't know the facts of the case. He just kind of shows up and tries to shoot Seymour at one point. Like, I... I, I fucking forget the narrator. My theory is that they, like, wanted this to have, like, this, we- this like, noir... Less, like, um, kind of old noir detective style but like they forgot about it and they're like oh shit like let's just record a couple more lines <laughs> now i want to see a godfrey home mashup of like an actual like detective movie on one side and like the seymour parts of, of the little shop of horrors and just mash them together into one movie that would be amazing. I, I do have to say the animation at the very beginning was kind of cool it was unexpected yeah, they, they were not they were nice late 50s-esque well not late 50s-esque they were late 50s animations literally 1960 so like yeah when it first started i'm like wait is this a cartoon this isn't a cartoon is it like it was very it was very off-putting but like it was kind of cool i i enjoyed it you know, we did mention a little bit the dialogue of this movie so let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war quote war we'll quote this movie back and forth you tell us who had the better quotes i'll start us off with Blood? You like blood? It's monstrositous. Shut up and open up. Who's the dentist here? You or me? Are you practicing dentistry without a license? You've been listening to music for old invalids. That ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this movie or anything else you'd like to say about it, please leave it in the comments below. It's time to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale. 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this? I gave it a 4 out of 10. I gave it a 3 out of 10. So, The Little Shop of Horrors is pretty much the definition of campy B-movie. It's wrought with can't-take-this-seriously and cheap effects, and it just has that certain low-budget charm that one rarely finds in, in, you know, movies. The true stars are the support cast, which interact with Seymour in the best of ways and bring out the best of his character. This, however, is definitely my least favorite version of this story. I can't say that I was disappointed in it, but I don't think I'll ever go out of my way to watch it again. Little Shop of Horrors is a story that's had many different iterations in the last 60 years since the original feature film was released. So going into this movie, I already had a pretty good idea of what I was getting into. However, despite knowing the plot and the characters, I was pleasantly surprised by how entertaining this version was. The eccentric cast play, all played well with each other, bringing a certain charm that had been lost in, in most subsequent iterations. The dark humor was handled appropriately, portraying some pretty messed up things in a funny manner without going over the top into edgy territory. And considering this movie came out in, in 1960, the jokes are still overall really funny. It's easy to see why this movie has lived on in so many different forms. I mean, the movie truly has aged well, and I I would pick this over some other, like, recent horror movies I've seen, like the newer Invisible Man movie. But one of the other things that lends to the strength of this movie is the fact that it's only an hour 14 or hour 12 minutes long. I think a lot of movies today and a lot of horror movies in general just 
have too long of a time frame and just fill things with stuff that don't need to be there. Yeah, and I think if you've watched, like, the theater play or if you've seen the um, remake movie, you should definitely check out this to see, like, where it all began, like, kind of see some of the elements of it in its infancy, and seeing a version of it that's not a musical was interesting as well. So, whether you liked it, hated it, want to have a little bit more fun or forget about it, we always have ways to drink away this flick. Drink away this flick. So come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away this flick. Bum, 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 bum. We'll give some drinking games for this movie, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time Seymour's mom says a medical condition, take a drink. Number two, every time Dick Miller eats a flower, take a drink. Number three, whenever the narrator speaks, take a drink. Number four, anytime Audrey Jr. opens up, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's cult classic month, Anytime you make a connection between two cult classics we've reviewed, take a drink. Every time Seymour panics over something, take a drink. Every time someone enters the shop with the intention of buying flowers, take a drink. Every time someone is murdered, either intentionally or unintentionally, take a drink. And every time Mushnik yells at Seymour, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this flick. If you have any other thoughts on this movie or anything else B-Movie related, leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us bmoviebros.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com, that's bmoviebros, follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, and on Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all of the content, including reviews, interviews, and chats from our website bmoviebros.com. We have new shows each week. If you want to help support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links are provided below. Well, we've come to the end of week three for Cult Classic Month this year. Let's rank the three movies uh, in the number three spot for me. Dementia 13, there were some people at some castle doing something, and they killed the main character 30 minutes in. Fuck them. Number two, Little Shop of Horrors. Like I said, I wasn't disappointed in it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. I'm glad I've seen it at this point. Um, it was entertaining, and I think it has stood the last 60 years pretty well. But of course, number one has to be The Phantom of the Opera. 95 years, and it's still one of the best movies that I think I've seen in the last decade. Yeah, number three, Dementia 13. I know some people really love this movie, but I just didn't like it. I think it missed a lot of good opportunities. I didn't like a lot of the, the choices that were made. And they killed off... They ended what was a good plot very early for what was a subpar plot that I just wasn't interested in. Number two, Little Shop of Horrors from 1960. I thought it was a good film. I can definitely see why it's lived on in so many different iterations, and overall, I enjoyed watching it. But number one was The Phantom of the Opera from 1925. It's a great film. It was so it's so aesthetically interesting to watch. It's got a great story. It's just a fantastic film overall, and considering that it's a silent film, it's it manages to find ways to bring the story to life that are creative and interesting that other more modern films just aren't able to do. It's it's interesting, definitely worth watching. Well, if you join us next week, we'll be taking a look at another classic, the 1962 film Carnival of Souls, another one that I've never seen before. So, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs>